It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com, Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. We got uh, a lot to talk about because, again, it seems like we're getting some regular college basketball being played. Yay us, although I think for UC, they'd rather it not be played. We'll get to them next. But uh, the most recent game that was played as we're recording this podcast was Xavier's 12-point win over Butler, 63-51. A Butler team that was missing three starters had two players, Chuck Harris and Miles Tate, combined to shoot a robust 6 of 31 from the floor, including 2 of 16 on threes. That's some good production. Um, Rick, Xavier got what it needed, which was a win, but it wasn't exactly an exhilarating win. Well, I mean, they did not look good. Uh, Fortunately, I think to a certain extent, the problems were a little bit different. You know, they weren't bad defensively. They held Butler to 51 points. Now, part of that was obviously that Butler was without key guys, so you knew it was going to be a struggle for them. But, I mean, the... Obviously, the defensive rebounding was an issue. It's what everyone's going to bring up. But Xavier outscored Butler 11 to 6 in second chance points. So, like, the defensive rebounding was a problem, but a lot of them were these weird rebounds that are coming yeah, on the they, they shot 31 threes. I mean, yeah, they were line drives off the back iron that were bouncing in the mid range, and Xavier just couldn't grab them for some reason. It's not like they were completely bullied inside the whole game. They were just not able to corral long rebounds, which you need to find a way to do obviously, but it was to me a different issue than what they had had the prior two games where they weren't getting back in transition. Now, obviously Butler isn't trying to score in transition, so that helps, but their defense, the breakdowns, the lack of energy, that wasn't the issue today. The issue was that their shooting completely disappeared on them once again, which at this point is becoming a concern because we had thought earlier in the season that there were too many good shooters on this team for them to have nights where no one, could make a shot. And now this is like what the fourth, fifth, sixth time we've had a game where no one could make a shot. Two of 19 on threes, Nate Johnson, who's if he's not done anything well, the one thing he's done well for sure, his shoot the basketball was zero for six. Paul Scruggs couldn't make a bucket Um, again. Two for 19 speaks for itself. That that's a, that's a team wide issue. I mean, do you chalk it up to, um, I hate to keep doing this. I mean, they haven't played at home in eight days. I know you practice at home, all those things. Or is it just one of those nights where you worked maybe so hard on the defensive end this week in practice that maybe you just didn't get a lot of shots up? Well, I mean, Steele did say, I think, thir- yeah, they played Tuesday night. So Wednesday, you come back in, you go light, maybe a little workout, whatever. And then Thursday, you have your your big day of practice. And he said they watched film for every the, every offensive possession that St. John's had so they could watch their defense and how bad it was. There was a lot of them. And they practiced defense for 90 minutes and nothing there you else. Go. Um, so, you know, I mean, maybe you attribute that to it. Maybe he worked them hard this week and their legs were gone. But at the same time, Skinny, again, we've seen this before from this team. Now, the weird thing to me is I just watched the last Butler game where Xavier shot pretty well from the outside and – they got better looks in this game than they did in that first game. For whatever reason, they were just stepping into them with the confidence and knocking them down in that first game. I don't know what you attribute it to and how you fix the shooting. T- to me, that's almost a bigger concern than the problems they had the prior two games where it was defense and lack of effort at times and, and guys not communicating or focusing on what they need to on the defensive end. Those things are correctable with practice, in my opinion, and hadn't been a problem all year. The shooting thing keeps popping up on them, and it's a little bit surprising to me, and I don't know how you fix it. Well, okay, and I'm not looking for an excuse here, and I'm going to ask you this, Chad, what you thought here in a second, but um, if you worked really hard on the defensive end and we've had these scattered practices, you did not have them these pa- this past week. You had a normal, fairly practice week. But I still go back to I just wonder about every team, a lot of not every team, but almost every team. I just wonder about legs in a lot of circumstances. I just do, and especially for a Xavier team and or a UC team that look like it was in quicksand today that we'll get to here in a minute. I, I just wonder if that's some of it too, and maybe that does affect the shooting. I, I, I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm, I'm just trying to find an answer because two for 19 speaks for itself. I think we could all go out blindfolded, and probably those guys could too on a given night and go blindfolded and shoot two of 19 on threes. Yeah. Sometimes you just miss. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I I guess when you're looking at a team like, like, you know, if you compare it to UC, they're shooting like 14% for the year. <laughs> so, you know, it's not quite that bad, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not much better 
that's a bad shooting team. Xavier is shown to be a good shooting team. And, and the nature of shooting is sometimes you get open looks and you just miss open looks. Like the, you run your offense, you do the right things. The ball moves where it's supposed to move. The guys you want to take shots are taking shots and they miss. It, that's stuff happens. I mean, they, I didn't think, I didn't think Butler like deed them up at an exceptional level by any stretch of the imagination. Now, if you want to say maybe Butler out hustled him a little bit. Second, second half, I thought they got a lot of 50, 50 balls. I honestly thought Xavier, the first half got a lot of 50, 50 balls. Yeah. I mean, I think if I were to like be disappointed and I thought Xavier played pretty well first half and just inexplicably let Butler have those two little spurts where, you know, what should have been probably what an eight, nine point game right. was yeah, they, they scored a the bucket last, at halftime. Right. They scored the last five and a half and that, that kind of changed. Well, and they did it right before, you know, in the middle of the first half too, Xavier goes up 16 to six and then Butler comes right back and it's, you know, they take the lead by a point. Xavier answers, gets back up seven. Butler goes on a five Oh run to end the half. That, that would be like that stuff against good teams is going to kill you because you had the stretches in that first half where, you should have had a comfortable lead at halftime and to let that Butler team down three starters go into half down two, like that's playing with fire in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're playing a UConn in that game, you're probably down six at halftime as opposed to being up two. So I would be more concerned with that than that. the two and 19 shooting. I mean, Xavier's been really streaky and really up and down this year from three. I mean, that's not a, you know, they had 19 threes in the game, and there's there's games where they go two for 19. That's that's shooting a lot of threes with a, a team that shoots them fairly well. Rick, are you worried about Kunkel at this point? He's dipped under 30% now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously in a slump. I, I mean, you know, I'm not worried long-term that he can't shoot, but obviously right now he is not shooting well at all, and it's, it's probably in his head at this point. But, Chad, I mean, I get your point about the first half and that's right, but that was a direct result of Xavier not making any shots. It's not like Butler went on some quick run because they were blitzing Xavier's defense. I mean, fair. they scored under a point per possession in the first half. They only put up 31 points. The issue is that Xavier couldn't run away and keep putting up points for an extended stretch against this undermanned Butler team. And that's because, you know, you're going two for 19 from three and you had a stretch where you just couldn't hit anything, not even just three pointers there in the middle of the first half. So, I mean, your point is right about the first half and that's going to cost you, but I go back to I'll disagree with you there. Yeah. The, the not being able to hit shots is the issue there because All right, the so, so was okay. The rebounding was good enough there in the first half that, um, and I thought the energy and hustle, you know, it wasn't perfect, but overall, I, I don't think that's a complaint you have when you only give up 51 points. Yeah. All right. So, so let me ask this uh, of the three guards, and I'm going to point to those guys, primarily the three main guards or three main outside guys, Paul Scruggs, Colby Jones, Nate Johnson, Johnson plays 36. Jones plays a hair over 35 Scruggs plays 34 and a half. Is that too much? Does that lead to the poor shooting? I mean, it's possible, where, but where skinny, do you turn? Scruggs just isn't shooting at all. I, he, he's right, right. One for six. Oh, for six one for one. Right. Right. Six assists, three turnovers is fine, but it's not like Butler's defense was completely loaded up against Paul Scruggs today to stop him. And let's face it, they, they literally played six guys and another guy played nine minutes, so they were tired too. Y you need more from Paul Scruggs at this point. Right. I mean, no, I mean, no doubt. I get it. He's had a great season, but he's also had a handful of games like this where he just kind of disappears. And if you're going to call him the best player on your team, then you need more out of him. And honestly, the same thing with Zach Freeman. I think it's time now that we probably just have to adjust our expectations on what he realistically is at this point in his career, which is a guy who really doesn't defend very well at all, has some issues with toughness on that end of the court and rebounding at times, but is very talented offensively and can put up a huge game on, on any given night, but he's, right, he's and, just a little right, inconsistent as a sophomore. Are, are right, you ready but, to... but, but right or wrong, he's a double-double guy, and I know that doesn't always equate to a lot, but it still says to me that's pretty consistent. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's, he's super talented in the fact that he can sometimes not even play all that well and put up a double-double. I thought he was good in this game overall, but he still has those moments where, I mean, he can't defend without right. fouling. No, there's no question. Pushed under the rim too often when it comes to uh, defensive rebounds and stuff like that, where he just, it doesn't seem like he's always there in terms of his effort when he goes to that half of the floor. Are you, are you ready to change your opinion of who's the best player on this team, Rick? 
Well, I mean, I think it has to be Paul Scruggs, but right now, Colby Jones is playing like it. He's been ridiculous. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying. I he mean, looks like you, an you... NBA player. No, I don't think because he's not going yet. to be inconsistent, too, as a freshman. You know, I mean, he's certainly not playing like this every game yet, but he's he's starting to come on here later in the year. And I think it's easy to forget that, I mean, Colby Jones has only played in 11 games now at this point. He, he doesn't have... Uh, a ton of experience yet either. So the fact that he's starting to come on late is a really good sign for Xavier. All right. To, to wrap Xavier up. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, for a team that was reeling a bit and understandably, so you get the win, you do have a road game with Providence. You have a home game with Creighton and two more road games to finish up with Georgetown and Marquette. What's a reasonable expectation, Rick, and, and what do they need to do to maybe secure a spot in the tournament? And again, I look today, they had slipped the seed line, I think, to the first 10 seed in bracket matrix. There's still, if I counted this right, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think there were still 10 at-larges below them. Um, so tonight, while it wasn't pretty, it's still a win, and that helps. What, what's, what's a reasonable expectation for the last four going to the Big East tournament, and what do they need to do to maybe secure it? Yeah, tonight was an absolute must win. You, sure. you take this loss, it goes down as a bad loss, especially if people start looking at, hey, Butler had three starters out when that happened at Centos. Like, that's going to be a bad that been damn. That would, that would have been That would have been damning. Yeah, so you, it was important that they won, even if it was ugly. So they took care of business there. Now I think you got to go two and two down the stretch because no one's going to require you to be Creighton at home, and everything else is an away game. Uh, Georgetown isn't going to get down to a, a – tier one away game right. in the top 75, right. but like right. Marquette and Providence, uh, both of those teams are, are, you know, right, right on that borderline. So uh, either one of those would be really nice wins. If you pick them up, if you can find a way to go two and two down the stretch, I think you feel good about being in the tournament. Now you're not going to have a great seed necessarily, but I don't think they have a ton of upside in terms of their seed line to begin with. Yeah. And right now they would be based if they're doing it based on winning percentage. And honestly, I, I honestly don't know the answer to this. Is that what the Big East is doing or do you even know that yet? But if it yeah. is based on that, Xavier is the fourth. Yeah. So they're, they're fourth right now based on winning percentage in the league. Yeah. And I'm in place. Yeah, I think they, they get in if they go two and two. You feel pretty comfortable about that. I mean, if they somehow find a way to go four and no, which I don't think is going to happen, then all of a sudden, yeah, you, you talk about maybe you bump up a few seed lines, especially with that extra win over Creighton. Right. You're looking at 16 and four overall. That's a pretty good looking record, even though you haven't played a lot of games. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think two and two is reasonable to expect, and that's what you feel pretty comfortable about. All right, Chad, UC played today in a loss. Let's move on to NKU. No, no, um, no. Um, I'm, I'm for that. I know I'm, you are. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, do you, just, do you just make out of today that, listen, again, you don't need to apologize for the last four wins. We even talked about, listen, there's bad teams, but still the perseverance, the adversity they overcame, all that is is wonderful. Today, you just played a team that was just that, not not that much better, that much better, but still just that much better. You played a team that was pissed off. I mean, we knew that coming in when they lost to Wichita State. They lost two of three. They were inexplicably getting to play at home for a multitude of reasons that shouldn't have happened. And were the players they, allowed? Were the players allowed to drink water? Or did they have to boil it beforehand? Oh no! The, the the American Conference made made sure that UC checked with their hotel for uh, power and water uh, before the, they made them, you know, fly to Houston. Um, crazy. Anyhow. Uh, Look, Houston went on that run, and, and the funny thing is, I felt good at thirteen to eight. I'm like, okay, getting some stuff well, done on offense. You're running your nine, stuff. Nineteen to eighteen. Nineteen to eighteen felt good, right? Feel pretty good. Yep. Uh, the thing is, and and here's if you if you watch the Wichita State Houston game, Houston put a run like that on not fifty five to eleven or whatever it was. Crazy, yeah. Uh, but they put that like that big run on Wichita State in the middle of the first half. And Wichita State answered by halftime and had it back to reasonable, and that took the wind out of Houston sails. Cincinnati had no answer. They couldn't make a shot. I mean, I, they they started the half four for four, and I think they made five shots the rest of the half. Wow. And that was they, – they, they were four for four in the first segment. I think they made five shots in the next 16 minutes. So it was – everything that could go wrong absolutely did go wrong. Uh, it was, a you know, a, a UC team that had been flirting with disaster. They'd been finding a way to, to overcome it. 
they they just weren't overcoming it today. And then if you watch that second half, it was a video game. Houston was just screwing around. Like, step back threes, hand in your face, contested. Like, let's yeah. see how hot I am threes. The, the one step and, back three, and I could, wish I could remember who did it. That might have been the biggest. That was almost a walk step back. I know it wasn't, but it was such a it was, long, I think it was Sasser. I think you're right. It was such a long step back. It's like, how's that not a walk? It just, they couldn't regain their footing. But Houston, UC came out, I mean, came out hot. Davenport hit two threes. Mike Saunders hit his first three of his UC career. You're thinking, okay, they, they're coming out with some energy. Houston punched him in the mouth, and they folded. I mean, that they just, they flat out folded. I, I, I don't, you allow somebody to go on a, a 40 point run on you. Yeah. <laughs> what else? What else can you even say? No, 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 no. All right, so that that makes me want to look ahead then, because um, there's a there's that's all a, that's all you can do. And there's and there's a, yeah, I, I'm I'm always a big believer, win or lose. I don't honestly, I, I've never cared about margin. There's just times margin gets away from you both ways, where you beat a team, you're like, yeah, we're not 28 points better than them. Margin got away from us, and vice versa. All right, so psyche wise though, because this team has had to battle through a lot a whole lot. And then you finally played and no knock. You played a really good team, which you hadn't really played. Does it do anything to this team psyche wise? Do you think they're tough enough mentally to go? All right. They're just better. We played like crap and we still got five games and a conference tournament to, to finish up on. Where, where do you think this team is? I know that's a hard question. Like, right. like uh, 10 so after, 10 or eight hours after the game was played, but well, where is this team? You think? I don't think we have any idea until Wednesday. Tulsa nine o'clock Wednesday because they've been through so much guys leaving, you know, guys coming back the 25 day pause. I have no clue mentally where they're at right now and how they, they recover from this. Is it a team? This is what you worry about, right? Like a veteran team can kind of put that behind you. Sure. And just say, Hey, look, you know, we were awful. Did, they were great. Let's go on. We we went we went ice cold. They played out of their minds. They hit everything they threw at the rim. We couldn't hit anything at all. Put it behind us and move forward. Do we know that this team has that fortitude? Yeah. I don't think we do. Like I, I don't know that we do. I don't know where the psyche of this team is in relation to putting something like this behind you. Well, because- and, and, but here's, here's the thing. If I'm John Brandon, here's my selling point for this, right? My selling point is we're playing a team that has the same um, winning percentage. We do in Tulsa at 500. We win that game. We vault them to fifth in the league standings. We still play SMU, which is just a game of, ahead of us in the loss column. We still play Memphis, which is a couple of games ahead of us in the loss. I mean, you still have some things to play for seating wise. And I want to get to Houston's concept of possibly, you know, skipping or opting out of the, the conference tournament here in a second. But but that would be my selling point. Fellas, look, we had to play great just to win at Houston. I don't care about margin of victory. I, I, I care we maybe didn't give effort that we should have during the run or, or on the defensive end when they were just running it down our throats. But I'm going to look past that because – I still think we have a chance to, to make some hay here and it's still right in front of us. That, that would be my selling point. Yeah. I just don't know right now if anybody's buying, like that's what you don't know at this point. You, you've got it. They responded from the layoff and the disappointment of the start really well, but how much of that was temple Tulane, temple UCF? Oh, I think a ton Rick, you'd agree with that, right? Yeah, I always said that, that all along, that they were going right. to win some games even if they didn't improve all that much just because this conference is really bad. But, but it's, it still feels so it, much better. I don't care who you – when you walk out of a gym, it just feels much better to win a game, right or wrong. Yeah. Oh, of course, and I do think they were playing better. I mean, Houston is the worst possible matchup they yes. could ever face. I mean, you, if you're trying to drive through that Houston defense with no one who you can kick to, you're not going to have much success. And that's basically got, what Houston's you, offense amounts to at this point. You put up a lot of layups that get spanked. Spanked, yes. Yeah. I mean, you're not going <laughs> to run some ball screen motion with zero shooters through Houston's defense. It's just not – you're not going to get through it. We talked about that last week, the adjustments that have been made to them, you know, when teams realize they literally can't shoot. So, I think that – the fact that that game got away so much is the, – the only question and concern is what you guys are talking about now is our guys just checked out. Like our guys wondering where they're going to be next year. They see Zach Harvey leave this week and, 
you have a couple guys that may be wondering about their futures. I think that's kind of the bigger concern is have guys just completely checked out. And again, I mean, really right now for UC fans, the whole, the whole linchpin to this John Brannon and UC's program storyline is what happens with the roster going forward, because you don't have a lot of proven guys that can, get you going. You know, I mean, you, you don't, I don't look at this roster and say there is definitely enough talent for this team to turn it around next year and be a top half a, a team in the American conference. I don't see that necessarily, especially with Zach Harvey departing. So, I mean, that's just the biggest thing is you have to basically wait to the spring to find out what might happen in the transfer portal and, and what they can bring in on, on short notice. That's becoming the big concern with, with all the roster turnover. Chad. I would still say with with how this conference looks, if you've got DeJulius Davenport and Tari Eason and Micah Adams-Woods, you've still got enough to finish top half of this conference. Uh, but that's not saying much. No, right, right. But, I mean, you still have no <laughs> shooting at that yeah, point. You well, know, I mean, it's not going to make it easy they're, just taking they're away top Keith half of this conference right now, and they don't have any shooting now either, so – I don't necessarily know. If you watch the rest of the conference, it's not like shooting's a premium. <laughs> let's let's put it that way, I suppose. No, like I've said, they all lowered their standards to try to beat McCronin on that end of the court, and then he left. So now they just all suck. wins. Four hundred yeah. wins, baby. Four hundred wins. They are. Uh, I think they've covered once in the last ten weeks or ten games. So they've been very profitable for anyone who's been fading UCLA 400, this year. Four hundred wins is four hundred wins. <laughs> um, nice. uh, it, uh, Rick brought this up, and we talked about it a little bit on the on the podcast during the week. Che, what do you make of the Zach Harvey decision, and and does that say a lot about him, John Brandon, the program? What does that say, or does it just say that's just today's athlete in a nutshell? I think there is definitely uh, a piece of the, some of, and I don't want to apply this as a blanket statement. It is much more common now than it was in the past that if things aren't going exactly how you want them to go you take your ball and go home and i've i've said this primarily on the situation when you recruit zach harvey you recruit someone that you know has some baggage you can't be surprised when you recruit someone that has some baggage that that player turns out to have some baggage. Like, you know, Zach never looked really happy here. Even when things were really going well, he never really seemed to fit in. And, and, and I'm sure some of that is, this is a kid that saw himself playing at like Kansas, right? This is a kid that through before he had his legal issues and things kind of crumbled for him. He was a top 50 kid trending towards playing for one of the best programs in the nation. And then things fell apart. He didn't really have anywhere to go. So he ended up at Cincinnati. You know, what's difficult is getting that kid to buy in on being in Cincinnati. No question. And I, think I don't getting, know that I think, that's I think, anybody's fault. Dude, I think it's getting difficult everywhere. I, I think anymore, if a kid doesn't feel like he's getting the touches, love, whatever it is, he just packs up and goes. I think that all that's right. I think there is also an element to this that John Brannon, from my perspective and seeing him at NKU is very much a, no one's bigger than the program guy. You, everyone, everyone has a role and I'm not just going to cater to guys because they say they're going to transfer. You know, I'm not going to tell them what they want to hear. They're going to have to earn it and they're going to, to play the role. I want them to play. We saw two guys who were pretty talented for the horizon league level, up and leave while NKU was having a lot of success and they were playing well with Carson Williams and Mason Faulkner. And both of those guys went on to play really well at their next stops. And uh, so, I mean, it's, it's not like this is a new thing for his program to have guys that are talented and are playing well and putting up some numbers leave. Uh, I think that's, it's part of the, the culture and climate of college basketball today. And then it's also part of how John runs the program. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's also getting to a point with this certain situation in his roster where it's like, Oh man, like I I was starting to think Zach Harvey was going to be a really important piece for them next season. And now 
you're down another guy and you have to go fill another spot for next year. So I think it is becoming a concern in terms of how many years do you get to keep turning this roster over before you're asked to have your guys and win. It's a, it's kind of the problem, Rick, that I see is it's, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because given the situation he inherited, he had to recruit seven players for year one. Exactly. And then because of he, he did the right thing short term year one, which was focus on giving Trey Scott and Jaron Cumberland, a team that could compete grad transfers, guys that you bring in kind of thinking immediate help. And then, your and, that back end. You, and that helps you set a tone too, a little bit of, of, of we're course. Win games. Right. But here's the problem. Now you had to recruit seven players again in year two. And as we've seen with college basketball today, if you're recruiting seven player classes, the attrition is going to really mess with you. That's why you want to be in that three to four player range, because you know, one of those guys is going to leave. But I swear to God, it feels like every program's in that. Yeah, and, it, and if you recruit seven, you're in it even deeper because there's guys that aren't going to work out. And, and the grad transfer problem, I, I think Mick Cronin was dead right on the grad transfer thing because the minute that they don't feel like it's going the way that they envisioned it, they're out. They check out. Yeah, where are they going, though? Well, but I mean, not they're mercenaries. Even- yeah, they're mercenaries. Yeah, they, they don't, don't care, care about, about your, your program. program. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. That's right. But that's that's the way it's becoming for a lot of situations. I mean, heck, if you yeah. recruit a guy who you think is talented, you've got him for one or two years to get him comfortable in his role and shining, or he's up and leaving your program too because he should have been a star and you ruined him and you didn't develop him right. You give him his chance. You were hating. You know, I mean, like right. that's just how it goes for pretty much everybody. So no, I don't know that the grad transfer thing is necessarily like it can't work. Again, I go well, back to the Xavier thing, like Kyle Caslin and Bryce Moore. You can never win with these types of guys. Well, now with Nate Johnson, all of a sudden, you, you know, you got the best shooter in the country recruiting the same exact type of guy, essentially, and and looking for the same thing. So the, you you're gonna hit, but that's playing the odds. grad transfers. Yeah, you're but you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna miss, miss a lot more than you hit but you're going to miss on a lot of recruits too. So I don't think like the grad transfer thing is something that well, but- we should be saying it's, it's the end of your program if you have to rely on it to a certain extent. But yes, turning over as many pieces to your point, Chad, is the big concern right now. It's just, it's a lot of guys. And I don't think it's necessarily John's fault because he inherited a tough situation. I think anytime you change coaches, especially at this level, if you're not like a blue blood, you don't, you know, well, you're in a tough spot now because you basically start from zero because guys will leave. And I don't know what blue, who's who, give me a blue blood anymore. Who's a blue blood? Well, I mean, I think there's Gonzaga? still Gonzaga. Here's the other thing I, I think, and I, I agree to an extent, Rick, what I'm saying more like you brought in Jay Sarola. And at the time that you brought in Jay Sarola, Chris vote was going to be a, a sit out year. They did not expect him to get his waiver. And you tell Jay Sarola, look, we don't have anybody at center. We're going to need you to play. Rapolis Ivanowskis, you go out and you tell him, look, we think you can play the four at this level. Guess what? You got that wrong. So when you have to correct and say, sorry, brother, like we tried. We, we, we gave you your shot to play the four at this level. And uh, it turns out that you're – he couldn't play the four at Colgate. Right. That's right. an, but that is an evaluation strike on John. It is. And, because you, and, and that hurts. You, you like, can, I mean, yeah, but, but at the same time, like, I don't think that's exclusive to the grad transfer thing because going back to the NKU examples I gave Carson Williams left because he thought he wasn't a four and he was supposed to be a wing in the NBA someday as a, yeah. a six, six white guy. You know? So John's <laughs> right? like, no, sorry, you're a four and that's how you're going to be used. And so he left. And then Mason Faulkner's family thought he needed to be the point guard when he had like a, a one to three assist to turnover ratio. So it's like, <laughs> my man, like you're not really a point guard. So no, right. Th- those but, are the same situations, whether they're freshmen, sophomores or grad transfers in my opinion but again the grad transfers don't feel any connection to your program at all so it's no, really easy for them. no and they and and both of those guys just to europe got paid like immediately right. like and hell, i mean when you're talking about foreign guys too they don't i mean it's not 
they definitely don't have any friends. They don't even have any friends in the country, potentially, you know, that they're worried <laughs> right? about stick around for. So, yeah, that's that's a real uh, touchy situation for certain. But um, you, you're you're just going to have to get it right more often with the transfers here in a hurry, it looks like. I mean, because that's the issue is you probably, you know, you're going into year three without a lot of goodwill built in, probably, um, unless they finish this season in spectacular fashion. So you, you probably got two more seasons to kind of get this moving in the right direction. I would think before people start really questioning things. All right. That, that brings me start. I don't go to Bearcat journal tonight. Well, yeah, I don't mean like the fans I'm yeah. talking about, like actually making moves at a, those that are yeah, yeah, the deci- administration the level. Yeah. yeah. The decision makers. All right. So that brings me to this concept of the possibility of Houston. And it's just a possibility of them opting out of the conference tournament. Um, a, Chad, do you believe that will happen? B, no. it, cer- it certainly doesn't hurt Cincinnati if they do. And if if that takes place, the concept of they get a bid because they're an at-large, and they will be an at-large. They'll be a three seed at worst in all likelihood. And then the conference champion goes, that just, if, if it were to happen, if it were to happen, and I appreciate you saying no, but if it were to happen, that seems like an awful damn slippery slope to me. I don't think conferences can allow it to happen. Agreed. Thank you. I, I think that's where we're at because then it does become down the road, a very slippery slope of we have nothing to gain because I like at times I, Houston has showed pretty clearly. They didn't really care about the AAC tournament over the past couple of years anyway. And you know what? That's, and that's fine. If you've already earned your way in and you're still playing a game, I just think the whole opt out of, yeah, we're going to opt right. out. And somebody else can go do it. No, no. Houston should roll out the goon squad. Just play some walk-ons and the last guys <laughs> on your bench and just, just like, and maybe protest. they will. And maybe they will. Yeah. Keep everyone else quarantined over there. Right. On the side as far we're going to be, we're going to make sure we're healthy and everybody else is, I, I feel sorry for the five walk-ons and the two band members, but they're all sick and they're not going to be able to make the conference tournament. Oh, well. Yeah, or injured for that matter. But like, right. I don't blame yeah. them. They didn't want to play in the American. At what it's been proven that there is nothing to gain for them to make a run through it. So why take a chance on getting someone hurt? All right, all right. So here's the thing: the only thing I can I can think of, the only thing I can think of is, could they potentially play their way up to the two seed line? Then does that make a difference? And that's the other thing: no. does that even make a difference? I, I no, think I it's think been proven that that you can't do that with this conference tournament. The only thing I would be most concerned about, I think, is just the the layoff for your guys, just not getting them a game in. So in that regard, I think I just go ahead and at least play that first game, and maybe you uh you take them out early or something. And yeah, go you ahead sub sub literally. And, 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 and honestly, I'll be honest with you, Rick. I'm okay with that. I think the 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 opposite of just opting out is a farce. You want to? I guess you can argue. Do you want to make it a farce of a game? Well, that's a, that's a coaching decision. That's a you decision. Do you want to play your starters at least enough to get them a little bit of reps, a little court time, a little bit of me to, or togetherness time, twenty minutes, and maybe that's enough to beat a team somewhere along the way too. I, I'm I'm even better with that than just saying you know what we're opting out. I, that's just a bad optic to me. I agree. I just don't. I I thought. As I thought about it a month ago, I thought, you know, it, it makes sense for teams to do it. Well, especially the, the more- thing is, the thing is, oh, not, uh, sorry to cut you off, here, but the thing that it's interesting no, is, yeah, I know, I am, but I am. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of conferences that this really affects, right? I mean, it's not going to affect the Big Ten. It's not going to really affect the SEC, the Big Twelve. It's not going to affect the Horizon because it's a one well, big league. Except, always- I mean, it could. Of except it for could. if if you if you're in the Big East and Villanova says we're in, we'll bow out, so at least another team can get an extra shot here. Yeah, make sure but, we don't but, take okay, away. Okay, but 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 you're thinking in that regard. That means you're thinking DePaul or Georgetown. Or or some crap team Butler can win the thing. They're not not necessarily. Win. I mean, if St. John's ne- picks up two more wins in the Big East tournament, maybe. who knows where that puts them? Ah, right, maybe, maybe. Fair I enough. I mean, like maybe. it's just a trickle down effect that I do think is an issue for conference yeah. tournaments. If this starts happening going forward, you do not I, want this to happen. But I, I think. I think. If, in this year, I have nothing to gain. I get their point. Yeah, I, I think if I'm the if I'm the selection committee, I say, listen, if a team opts out, if a team opts out, then you make a choice. Are they your champion or is the other team the champion? I mean, it's pretty simple to me. Is the regular season team the champion? And in this case, the funny yeah, but part they've is, already made that. But the funny part, I know they have. Oh, I know that. But the, the funny part is Wichita technically is in first place right now. No, no, I, I, I understand that they've already done that. But I'm just saying that that that's the point I would say of, listen, if you guys are going to do this, then you determine who your champion is. And I don't care if it's, if you determine your regular season champion, then I don't care. Now, listen, an at-large can play their way in. That's all well and good. They can play their win 
play the win with a few more wins. But if, if you determine that Villanova, for example, in the Big East is the champion, I don't care if St. John's wins the conference tournament. I don't care if Xavier wins the conference tournament. If they didn't do that's enough, not how it works, though. I, I'm with you. I'm just telling you, I think that's where you got to go with this, though. You can't you can't have, have two champions, guys. I will be honest. We've had two champions I, every year for, since conference tournament started. What are we doing here, Skinny? No, no. I think you have to determine who was the who was the automatic bid. Yeah, that's the automatic bid is the conference champion. Right. But but tournament you, regular season the is tournament. Right. Tournament, if you but, play the tournament, then the tournament winner is is the automatic bid. Okay, so in this case, though, actually, technically, Wichita. So, is are you going to leave place. Houston out? Are you going to no? Because the, the winner of the conference tournament, okay, I, is the, the is the, the automatic bid. Then, then I'll figure out a different way around it. Then I'll, I'll just skinny. say, you know what? Are Here's you the, are you are you leaving Houston out if they opt out? No, I guess that what I'm saying is that I guess whoever wins the AAC championship doesn't get to go. <laughs> they don't get to go. What What are we doing? Well, I mean, honestly, at this point, this opt-out crap is nonsense. I mean, I don't okay, back. That's to, not it, how it goes, it works. Here, here's what goes back to me for this. I'm hating sports more Am and more I every day. Crazy I fucking hate sports. Hate it. I don't care. I fucking hate sports. I hate it. I hate this chicken shit bullshit going we're not gonna play you man you mother (laughs) bunch of bull (laughs) either you want to play sports or you don't everybody needs to get a trophy good for them yay them give them a trophy rick what just happened that was uh, uh that deserves an award that what was happened. I, here's the my thing. Face, I actually, I actually am. All, hurts. I actually am in agreement with everything except for the point of I think we're still missing the missing link on your okay. whole idea of the, there's still going to be an at large bid and Houston would still be deserving. So you're still screwed if you're the conference or the NCAA telling them here's an ultimatum. It's like, well, yeah, but what are you going to do? Make a farce of your tournament by not. Or, or as an at-large. Okay, okay, so we'll pick it up from here. So then I guess the only other thing I would say is if a team opts out, then you're done for the NCAA tournament too. You opt out for your conference tournament, you don't play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm I mean, not I, against that. I think that might be what you kind of have to do. It's like something like that, or it's you you make them, if someone's opting out, you have to say, well, you're just choosing a regular season champion then, and that's the only person that gets to go. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, but, but, what, what, what the American would have to do is, is say our conference tournament is canceled, and Houston is our at-large bid, right. which they're not going to do because the possibility that somebody else wins the, the conference tournament and now they're in and Houston's in. And, and I get, listen, I get the financial ramification of that, of, hey, it gets us more money in the coffers in a year where we all need right. more money. I get that part of it, but it's just, it's so weak need in my opinion that if you don't want to play in your conference tournament, then that's fine. You're done. You're done for the year. Go, go pack it I, up. Come I, back I, in October. Ultimately, I don't disagree with that. If you want to opt out of your conference tournament, you're out of the NCAA tournament. I, I'm I'm not anti that stance if a team like Houston were to do it. In fact, I think it might be necessary. Like you might have to do that just to prevent this from becoming a thing going forward. And, and, and I will say, I do understand then that what you guys talked about is that Houston can go, then fine, I'll play Fred and Jim and Ted and Johnny and Billy at the end of the bench and we'll lose 92-63 and we're done. Yeah, now, that could cost you a seed line. I mean, if I'm the, if I'm the selection meeting at that point and go, All right, you want to make a farce of that? I'll tell you what, we'll bust you from a three to a five. Have a good day. And I think that's something that's worth, like, if you're on the committee, I think that's worth discussing. Like, maybe you set an example of teams that want to start doing things like that and kind of ruin the integrity. That's, I think that's all fair game. If they're going to game the system, you can game them back. Yeah, I I just, I, I, I do get it. And I get it from a financial standpoint. It just, from a competitive standpoint, if you're a competitor, that just, it bugs me to no end. It just bothers me badly. But here's the other thing. So how do you really feel? It bothers me. How about that? <laughs> if you're if you're the American though, you want to do everything in your power to make sure to get Houston, two teams. Well, but no, but Houston wins games in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's another good credit. So, so yeah, you're, and that's that's. Um, I'm glad you said because yeah. So if you're busted from a three to a five seed, then guess what? Suddenly it's a whole lot tougher to move forward, right? So what we're not talking about because Houston beat the absolute pants off of Cincinnati today is that they just lost at Wichita State. Right. 
Right. And they've lost at ECU. This team is, is exactly what I have been talking about. This team is throughout the season. I, I just got my comeuppance today for talking about them in that regard uh, as they beat the Bearcats by 100 points. Uh, but there's no guarantee. Houston, away from the the Frittata Center, that's what the, the thing with eggs, right? I, I, yes, correct. That is correct, yes. Okay. Um, away from the Frittata Center, I, I'm not overly convinced that, that Houston is a team that's capable of making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Guess what? They can't shoot. Go watch the Wichita game. Right. No, but, 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 and, and for, to their point of, of maybe opting out though, if they think they're a three seed and they can't get to a two and if they, but if they play and lose a bad game because of what you're talking about, Chad, that they can't shoot, and, and they've lost, I mean, they've lost to East Carolina. Wichita's not a bad loss. They're not a good team, and they're probably not in as we speak today. In fact, they're probably on the outside looking in. But if you lose another bad game and you lose another seed line, then I, then for them, it's like, what's the purpose of us playing? We can't go higher. We can only go lower. It, it's a waste of time. I don't want to get guys hurt. I, I It's just, man, the whole situation is just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think when I look at Houston and the, the teams that like the seed lines on bracket matrix, they look to me more like the teams in the five or six seed lines than they do the three or the four. Right. To be right. quite honest. Like I, well, not how many gonna... times have we seen an American team get punished two seed lines for being an American team? Well, well and what about it? Might what be about what it? we're headed towards. And I don't know if what, that's what, what, warranted. And what about an American? I don't know. Team that that opt I, out? Yeah, I agree. And what about an American team that would opt out? Yeah. Skinny. Okay. I don't okay. think they're opting okay. out. So okay. why do we, why? Why okay. Are we, why are we harping on this? Because okay, fair enough. Happen. Okay, fair enough. And I hope it doesn't. And I hope that's great. That 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 maybe is the overriding point. You're right. That, that that hopefully doesn't happen. All right. One team I know that's not opting out is NKU, which uh, had a pretty good weekend. Uh, played Wright State tough on Saturday after winning on Friday. Rick, they finishes the four seed in the conference tournament. They will get a first round bye. They will play um, a quarterfinal game at home. The chance to hopefully get to to Bankers Life uh, Arena or whatever it is Fieldhouse in, in Indianapolis for the semis, and and I you know I I don't know this because I looked at the bracket today because I know they're doing the quarterfinal teams are playing depending on your seed the lowest remaining seed or the highest remaining seed. That's right. So NKU if it wins its semifinal game would it play the Cleveland State pod or does it play? No, so so yeah, so NKU would play Cleveland State in the semifinals if they win in the quarterfinals, and we actually have a pretty good idea that they'll play Detroit in the quarterfinals because right. they're the five seed right now, right. and they're almost right. certainly going to beat Robert Morris, right? Um, in, Which in with, the, with without the kid that's coming to UC, or maybe thinking about UC, AJ <laughs> <laughs> Brahma, the transfer, yeah. yeah. So uh, so I do think we have a pretty good idea of how this sets up for NKU. They'll play a home game on Tuesday against Detroit, likely. And then uh, in the semifinals, they would take on Cleveland State, assuming both teams advance. And to me, that's a much favorable, even though it makes absolutely zero sense that Oakland was the three and NKU was the four. And I also think it makes zero sense that Wright State was the two and Cleveland State was the one. I would have flip-flopped both of those teams. But all in all, I think it works out better for NKU because I'd much rather play Cleveland State again in the postseason than I would Wright State. I would say, because you've seen them both. I mean... Wright State just seems to me to be a just a better team, period, in the story. Doesn't mean it's a better matchup. Doesn't mean that Cleveland State doesn't beat Wright State. Doesn't mean Cleveland State doesn't win the whole thing. It just seems like Wright State is just simply the better team. And NKU just outplayed them on Friday. Well, it, look, there's no question that Wright State is the most talented and the best overall team in the conference. I mean, even Cleveland State having beat Wright State in one game this year, they're 155th in Ken Palm. Wright State is 63rd. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, Wright State is like a uh, a middle of the pack high major team in terms of their metrics this year. And, and some of I, that I think... might be, you know, out of whack because they're playing in the Horizon League, but they are a very solid team and heads and shoulders above the rest of the conference. They lost that game to Cleveland State on a buzzer beating alley-oop, and then they beat them by 38 the next day. So, you know, I mean... NKU so far is the only loss they've taken that didn't look like a fluke in the second game of the back-to-back series. Everyone right. else lost by more than 35 points to them the second game. Yeah, and I, I think if I looked at Bracket Matrix today, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, I, th- I think was Wright State a 13 or 12 maybe? 13? Uh, I can I have it right here. 
I, I, I want to say 13, which is pretty good for the horizon. Like yeah, it looks like they've dropped to a 14, and that's probably okay. after the Friday okay. night loss to okay, uh, maybe. NKU. Okay. okay. Which, I mean, can we talk about this for a second? This is supposed to be a rebuilding year for NKU. This was our down year. This was the year that we had the four-game losing streak and like lost hour. two games I, at I like, home I, I like to the IUPUI. I like the hour. Keep going. And Wright State is having the best year they've ever had. This is their team. They're 63rd in Ken Palm. I mean, if, if NKU's taken one this year from them and given them hell in the second game, what what's going to happen going forward? Loudon Love will play for 15 years at Wright State. He will be a actually, Wright State veteran. Talking to some of their people this weekend, they do think he's coming back for another year. Next that's, year. Is that correct? What is he, 27? Uh, something, something like that, but. Aye, aye, aye. No, I, I know you were excited about Friday's win. I listened to a chunk of the end of it, driving back from doing a high school game. I mean, um, it wasn't a fluke. That's the part. And, and Saturday, I listened to a good chunk of Saturday. You guys on Saturday, it wasn't a fluke. They hung around. Right State's better. And you know, I mean, you'd agree with that. Right State's better. Yes. But it wasn't a fluke. Neither well, one of those were a fluke. Darren Horn completely outcoached Scott Nagy. I'll say the, the defensive game plan was really interesting. I mean, you think about it when you normally double down on a big man, like, think the pass goes in from the wing and then you go to double who usually doubles. It's that guy that's on the ball. That's right. digging down on the big man, right? NK, you didn't do any of that, but they did double. They would bring someone else from the matchup two three from underneath and come and try to swipe the ball from underneath the big man. And love likes to use that spin move. He was spinning into, you know, like a Trey Robinson or Trayvon Faulkner coming underneath, looking to swipe him. NK, you got a few steals that way. They also just kind of tied him up and made him give the ball back out. I thought the game plan was phenomenal. And then, I mean, they exploited the, the slow footed big men and the drop ball screen coverage where they kind of get lost in no man's land in the lane and uh, just kept running it over and over again. And Bryson Langdon was fantastic in making decisions. So, I mean, in terms of game plan, NKU knew what they were doing to try to beat them, and they executed to perfection both nights, and Wright State didn't really have many answers in terms of what they were uh, doing differently. It's funny. A lot of football coaches, as you guys both know, don't like to run the same play twice. A lot of basketball coaches don't like to run the same play multiple times. I am a big believer that if they haven't stopped you the first time, at least run it a second time. And if they haven't stopped you a second time, keep running the dang the, the, the daggone same set. It's silly not to until somebody stops you, right? Well, yeah, and the great thing about when they're having trouble guarding ball screens is how many variations. You know, you do right. some, like, uh, fake motion to one side of the court, you bring it back it, for a dribble handoff the other way, and now you're you in that slip, pick and or, roll. Yeah, or you, you know slip I mean? it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's right, a lot of it, things. To there's do, so still. many variations to do the same thing there and get them in a pick and roll with their bigs, and and that's what NKU kept exploiting. And Adrian Nelson has made huge strides in being able to, like, finish those plays off. He dunked on Loud and Love twice on his head Saturday twice one on an alley-oop and then another one where he just pushed his hand like right through the rim on a what looked like a block initially um so they, they've that, got some guys that, that are playing on air uh have you ever heard an <laughs> <laughs> i i i have i have a little bit like I've had, that i've had at least one i've had at least one <laughs> exactly, think, exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yep he's got proof he's got proof <laughs> he's got receipts <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's a pretty good answer yeah, pretty- yeah i i will say after the uh the first night i had lost a pound and a half despite consuming a few beverages and chicken wings after the game um i think just purely from sweating like the whole entire four mi- last four minutes i was standing up now you know you know what's funny and i'm going to give you a little bit of credit this is a broadcaster you didn't sound nervous or homerish or I, I was don't want to say excited. You were excited. You were excited, but I thought I thought you handled yourself pretty well for those last four minutes. I listened to the whole thing. I'm a consummate professional, skinny, but I was a little bit intense. Okay, and a homer. You got to admit you're a little bit of a homer. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You don't come I, off sounding that way. It's okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I try to do the best broadcast possible, Correct. but I think everyone understands why I'm in the position I'm in. Like, I wouldn't be NKU's color guy if I wasn't a homer. So that's all good. It's all it's all good. They pulled um, me out of the fifth row, literally. I <laughs> said, you, uh, what's your name? You want to, do you know anything about basketball? Can you speak? Okay, you can do this. Go ahead. All right, uh, let's talk about Kentucky. And um, it, was, it was, hold on. It was yes. definitely that dollar beer night that we did the live podcast. I remember, still, the, the, still the best. The still the best. On-site podcast. With John, Br- with, with, was like, with John Brandon. With yeah. John Brandon, yes. That was the definitely 
that was definitely the night NKU was like, this is our guy. Yeah, I yeah, can't let this like, one get away. Dude, I love thirteen dollar beers before going into the media room to do a podcast with their head coach, and they were like, "This guy's a pro." Yeah, fellas, let me just tell you, I've done a lot of things in my lifetime. That was one of my favorite nights of broadcast. That was so much fun. That That really was was. hilarious. That it was all happening. It was just like, "Yes, why is this a thing?" And why are they letting us do this? And then John literally just walks off the podium and joins us in mid. And he was great. And he was great. He was fabulous. Probably one of the best interviews he's done. As a head coach, to be honest, he doesn't like the media all that well. No, Dan, no, that's right. Dan and Justin and Chad, I mean, you guys have done some good stuff with them. Like, I'm not, but like, that was one of the more fun interviews I can recall John doing. His guard was down. Totally. His guard was down. Yeah. Yeah. It was very fun because you were wasted. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but you not didn't sound that wrong. way. Yeah, exactly. Not entirely wrong, but you did a fine job. You did a fine job. All right, let's talk about Kentucky. Um, They've got their game Tuesday canceled with Texas A&M. They do have two more games left, Florida and Ole Miss, and Florida would be a nice another quadrant win. Let's just say for argument's sake, before I get to the win over Tennessee, let's just say for no. argument's sake. No. Hear me out. Hear me out. They no. go They go three and one in the conference tournament, finish 13 and 14. Are they in at least the at-large conversation, and do they get no. a good? Okay. No. The committee said they're looking at sub-500 teams. They said it. Okay. Don't talk about it. Be about it. <laughs> so, 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 so I, I, if they so, play 27 games and are under 500, no, I they, they, they would have played. Okay. So if they go, if they win the last two, they, they're not going to play A&M on Tuesday because it's postponed. They play Florida at home, which is winnable. They beat them already on the road. And then at Ole Miss, which is winnable. That's 10 and 13 and go three and one in the conference tournament, 13 and 14, having won. All but let's just say whatever that game is, they lose semifinal or even final of the of the SEC tournament. You still say no? I, I no way, Rick. <laughs> I'll be honest. I just want to see the NIT with Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke, Duke North Duke. Carolina. Yeah. I mean, Duke, if all of them agreed Duke. to just play the NIT, it would be the best NIT of all time. They could take it back. Here's the NCAA tournament. Duke Duke's playing here actually. Yeah. Here's the crazy part. Shockingly, all of those teams are starting to play well. Right. Crazy. It's like I they mean, didn't have a preseason. It's it's not crazy. It is fully 100% expected. Whoa. That uh, that by the end of the season they're starting to come together. Because they have the most talent. This isn't hard. It, it, but at, at 13 and 14, hell no, they don't get in. Is an at-large? Are you kidding me? I did see somebody on Bracket Matrix. Actually, two people put him as a, 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 in the tournament. Those people should be fired into the sun. I didn't see who those two people were. I'm just saying there's two people, and it could have been two UK people for all I know who are doing their own bracket that put him in the tournament. But they put him in the tournament already. One is a really well-done blogger like the old dot blogspot free blogger sites okay uh, called Bracket a day which uh, okay. I mean that looks like probably one of the best okay um, you you don't you don't sound very convincing with that argument okay, but okay I, I might be lying about that <laughs> okay um and then the other one is oh someone has him as a 10 seed this is a guy named cheese the 10 seed a guy named cheese predictions this is called called bigblue.org cheeseprediction.wordpress.com has him as a 10 seed um, and this was updated on the 18th. So this was before they beat Tennessee at Tennessee. Wow. So that win over Tennessee's got them at least at an eight line. Well, now, yeah, right? uh, hell, they might be a uh, uh, top four. Riggs has now. probably got them as a five. <laughs> um, I just bring it up because I, again, the committee has made it known that they're not a, not averse this year to looking at sub 500 teams. Okay. Look, I'm not ruling anything Look out this him. year. We don't know what's going to happen, but Dude, I I'm with you. I hate him. UK team in. I'm with you. But here's the here's the other thing. I'm I'm taking a look at the UK futures in the SEC tournament as we speak cuz I'm no not doubt. sure they won't win that. Yeah, That's I mean fair. And the thing I would say to that and and that is fair. Um Alabama's clearly the best team in the league, but obviously their style of play is so goofy that there could be a day where they might go six to 33 on threes, kind of like Xavier. We talked about where you just, Hey, we had great looks. We didn't make right boys. And then, let's, let's have a talk real quick. Kentucky is 20 <laughs> to one to win the sec. 
I'm with you. Tournament. But 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 if we go past Alabama, right? And again, they they're kind of a crazy style of play, which I love, and it's worked, and they're great, and they're 13 and one in the league. But after that, we're down to Arkansas, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, Missouri is the next group. Any of those wow you? Any of them? Alabama is clearly the best team in the league. That that part's clear. We no, there's no argument there. They've proven that. But they to are borrow a line backing up a bunch a couple, of threes. For, to borrow a line from Rick from a couple years ago, Tennessee couldn't score in a house. <laughs> it's true. And so, uh, so 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 where else are we? At Florida, which Kentucky boat race on the road. LSU, Arkansas. I mean, it would be, it, be a tough blow to see Jalen Tate get in the NCAA tournament, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> he could have got in the NCAA tournament with NKU this year, for goodness sakes. Um, so Kentucky right now sits at seven losses. <laughs> that wasn't where I was going with that, oh, but sorry. yeah. <laughs> I, I think Chad was hoping he would go with UC. Oh, there. oh good point. Yeah, good point. Sorry about that. Good point. Uh, that, that might not have, not have helped as much as you think, though, either. But anyway, oh. so Kentucky, you finished nine and seven which would put them in the range of about a four or five seed for the conference tournament. If they get to the four seed, I believe that's the double buy, right? That's a pretty good place to be. Uh, what sucks is the Texas A&M game is going to screw them because they had to beat Texas A&M and that could have gotten to 10 and seven, which almost definitively would have put them on the, on the, on that line. Yeah. It looks like there's only one game in the first round. There's a 12 versus 13 on Wednesday. And then the second round is, Eight nine five versus the winner. Okay. a double buy, so, but not yeah. really a double buy. Yeah. yeah okay. So I All mean, you're right. into the quarterfinals, is what it gets you. All right. But I did want to ask the question of: Do you think the resume, if they win out or go three and one in the league tournament, is enough to get them in? And Chad says definitively no. Rick, you say definitively no or no? No. I mean, I, I again, I haven't looked at everyone else's on the right. I, 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 I understand. That. They're hard to compare. And then this year, where we don't know what's going to happen, I'm not ruling anything out if Kentucky really goes either. on a run, but. Again, I'm much more interested in the idea that are they just the best team in the SEC now, which I think that's a possibility or at least the most dangerous team in the SEC. And yes, I don't most see dangerous. a team that's definitely going to beat them in a head-to-head matchup. So I, I've got this right, like p- plus 2,000. That's 20 to 1 odds. Yes. Yeah, 20 to 1 odds to win the SEC tournament seems – I'm I'm – going to do something about that now alabama has beat them twice and beat them twice definitively but, but so that, i can say they, they beat a different but, but, uk team twice in right, my opinion. right i and think they're a and, different team the last few games here we'll see if it continues but right and their style of play is just it's it's awkward enough where there can be a six of 33 shooting night right or wrong there can be just an awful shooting night and that's where they're vulnerable because that's what they do. They're just going to jack up a bunch of threes. I mean, you remember that shot chart from the LSU game it was literally every is either a dunk layup or a, or a three. I mean, well, they're also that, vulnerable to like a 30 and 15 night from Isaiah Jackson too. They don't really have much of an answer for that. Well, good point. So um, anyway, I, I, I just, I, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. They've certainly found a way to, to get things righted. And um, that was a good win over Tennessee. I'm not sure Tennessee's great. But Tennessee's still pretty good. They're going to be in the tournament, and so that's a pretty good win. So Defensively, Tennessee's really good. So for Kentucky to do what they did on offense, very much a plus. But there's a pretty good chance if you score 62 points, you're going to beat Tennessee. Yeah. Right? Although the last time they played, Tennessee beat them 81-70. That was an anomaly. Okay, maybe. You're probably right, but I'm just saying. You're, yeah, I, I mean, you are right. I watched Tennessee play Cincinnati. You're right. They struggled to score. That said, though, the last few games at home, they scored 80 against Kansas, 82, I'm sorry, 89 against Georgia, 93 against South Carolina. Now, those are not good teams. Kansas obviously is. The last two are are. they Are they playing the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament in Knoxville? No, but they played yesterday in Knoxville. Okay. Is that more Kentucky being better defensively? Or Tennessee Maybe. being bad offensively. Well, I, I mean, I know you're a big cow guy, but this is. I'm a big cow guy. You know that. I love <laughs> him. Third best coach in the country. This is the most off the rails podcast we've ever done. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, that might be too bold of a statement. What, third best coach in the country? <laughs> no, that it's the most off the rails podcast we've yeah, ever no, done. It's, it's not, up there. It's in the it's Hall not, of Fame. But it's, it's not even close. The, 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 well, part, the, the part that got bleeped out was, was the part that's. It's I'm glad it got the played. part that gets left on the cutting room floor makes what I said absolutely true. Correct. 
I lost my mind for a minute. <laughs> and I've, I've just, I've, I've had enough with this nonsense. All right. So here we go. Last thought for you, Rick Boring. I know you're excited by Mick Cronin winning his 400th career game. Well, again, I'll, I'll pull up the stat. I tweeted this out for everyone because I want people to profit along with me. Yeah. Um, I sent this tweet out early yesterday morning. If you look at it over the last, let me see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Over the last nine games, UCLA has covered the spread just one time. That was the game yeah. against Arizona at home. So you think you think he has to care about that? He doesn't care about that. No, he, he doesn't, doesn't have to, to care, care about, about that. that. I'm just trying to help people win money, skinny. That's okay. all. Okay. Okay. I know. And I appreciate that, our right. podcast. That's what I do. I appreciate do, so you have a, pretty much free. do you have a do you have a do you have a do you have a final thought other than me putting you on the spot with that? I, I'm curious about Coach of the year in the Horizon League now here all of a sudden. I hmm. think it's probably Dennis Gates from Cleveland State, but you start looking at what NKU's doing. Does Darren Horn have a case? He does have is a Fran case. Is Fran Dunphy eligible? <laughs> he, the Memorial Award is, is always alive for Fran Not Dunphy. in this league. Not in this league. That's right. Not in this Fran league. Dunphy we, was rolling over in his grave. I know he's not dead yet, but <laughs> theoretically speaking, he was when he saw the uh, the kid from Oakland throw an oop off the backboard to himself in a two point game with seven minutes to play. That would have drove. <laughs> uh, you know what? I would I would have made him pack up his stuff and go home. You're Hashtag done. this league. Day. Yep. It's, I mean, we got guys. Hashtag see you later, chief. Guys transferring two weeks left in the season. Yeah. Guys throwing oops off the backboard to themselves with seven minutes to go in a two point game. It's. it's it's enough uh, to make somebody lose their mind for like a minute, three minutes, three minutes, whatever it was. It's just <laughs> different. Um, yeah, I think he's in that conversation. I, I think the guy at Cleveland State's done a really good job, though, right? Because that was a crap job. That was a crap yeah, job. A lot of people told him it was stupid of him to take it. And, yep. Uh, somehow he got coached the year last year with like uh he won like three games or something and they gave him coach of the year, which I didn't really understand that. But this year, probably pretty deserving of it. But again, I mean, he had the oldest team and a team that was familiar with the roles and knew exactly who they were. So they beat up on teams early. And now it seems, you know, like they're having a little bit more trouble late as evidenced by them losing this weekend. So. And, that, and that's where NKU can take advantage of that, correct? Uh, yeah, I think NKU is in a much better position now than they were yes. the first time they played. When I, they lost one. I saw I saw your tweet today. You seemed extraordinarily, or last night or whatever it was, you seemed extraordinarily excited by that. So, well, I was I was happy with the matchup that they didn't have to play Wright State a third time this quickly again after playing really well against them back to back. So, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully they do play again in the finals, but it'd be right. nicer to correct. play them then than in the semis. That's correct. How about you, Chad Brendel? Any final thought? Can I get some opinions on Dickie Simpkins? Because I want my ears were bleeding listening to him tonight. I'm okay with him. I'm what? okay with him. Can we, it's just the, the hyperbole. Like, I hate like. Oh, not that that would have been a that would have been a continuation in the NBA. Who cares? We're not playing the NBA. Like, I don't know. His like, it's the cliche, like worn out. And maybe I guess this is my question. Is this something that we're going to have to get used to when when we start doing more of this stuff remote? Because I don't know that like we can turn back the clock on sending every announcer to every game going I, forward. It yeah. is funny. I, I was listening to a, an NBA game on radio today when I was driving around, and um, <laughs> this was an interesting dilemma. Uh, it was the Celtics-Pelicans game, and it was a pretty good game. I mean, it went to over – Maybe maybe went to double overtime. Went to overtime for sure. But anyway, at one point at a key structure of the game, their screens and they admitted it, their screens went black. Black. Yeah. Can't can't broadcast the game. At that. I mean, what are you supposed to do at that point? And I, I, I will just, say, I haven't done it yet. I, I'm I'm still able as a high school play by play guy to go to arenas and do games. I can't even imagine. No matter how good the monitors are, I know Dan Hort has told me that for the Bengals, the all 22 and they do the surround stuff and it feels like I still think it's awful difficult. I think it's really hard to do. I do. It, it has to be. And Rick, you're on site, right? Well, we have been except for one game. We had to call an audible the trip to Green Bay because the weather was too bad and the trip okay. was just going to take too long. Uh, we called an audible right at the last second. And how hard it was from it from BB&T? I mean, you're at the mercy of the the broadcast, so that that is. And I'm going to guess, no offense, in the Horizon League, you didn't get a bunch of angles, right? You got. Oh, it's just the ESPN three broadcast. That's all we're getting. Yeah. Um, The 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 it wasn't 
all that bad. And here's the thing. We got plenty of people that said, couldn't tell, didn't notice the difference. And I'll be honest, when I listen to like Dan Horton and Terry Nelson doing them remotely, I oh, think I, the same I, thing. Like, I, 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 can, I, 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 can, I can tell a little difference because Dan's not as descriptive as usual. You don't know where the ball is a lot of times. Um, he, you know, here, shots here's my thing, up. though. And I, and, it, I, and, I, and I get it. I'm not Is it a couple thousand dollars worth different, you know, to fair. continue to value to send these guys no, all over that, the country with the team? That, that, that's a fair point. I think I mean, Chad has a good can, point that they're just going to realize it's way easier to save the money with the technology we have now. Yeah, I, I don't think Kentucky's sending their guys, right? I don't think they are. I think Tom Leach and, and Mike Most conferences are not sending people at right, all. Right, right. Horizon League was one of the few that let us, but m- most of the other teams didn't do it or didn't have a broadcast team. So and you've Space seen, on a bus is a little different than space on a charter jet. No, right. That's. I mean, that's... that's, 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 that's yeah, yeah. Well, I, I we, was, I, we are I, allowed to travel with the team. We all drove separately. But we I mean, drove, yeah, yeah. But I mean, still, you're talking about uh, hotel room. It, just from the, it's not the school staff, yeah. you know, budget, but it's Learfield and these other companies. They Correct. start it, adding it, it up, it, and they're like, yeah, between you and Jim, probably for a weekend. And I don't, I'm not trying to diss this, but it's probably between hotel and food, and probably at least when well, you got some gas mileage and a tri- rental bucks. car. We you we know, rented six, a car for each trip too. Six hundred so. bucks, seven hundred fifty bucks. Right. Yeah, I mean, let's not give my bosses any ideas, but like, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's not. I, I, I look, I see the future, like Chad said, that it probably is moving mm. in that direction where we've got a lot of remote broadcasts, especially at the lower levels. Yeah. And when you're not at the game, when you're not there, the two hours before the game talking to people, that's the part you miss. I mean, I don't think people understand, even from my perspective, like, we're allowed to go to UC home games, right? But we're not allowed to really talk to anybody. Right. Like every game for 10 years, I sat on the opposing team's bench during warm-ups, which is where the where the home team practices because that's the that's the way they're going in the first half, right? And you sit there and you chat with people and you see people and you gather information. Like that, that is the, the primary time to gather information for me. And, and this year, all of that has been eliminated completely. And for a TV broadcast or a radio broadcast, when you don't have the opportunity to do your job, which is to find out what's really going on, then you get Dickie Simpkins today, who was just talking in platitudes and well, like he didn't say anything. Let's be very clear that Dickie's been doing this, whether it was pandemic <laughs> or not. I mean, that's just he just doesn't do any yeah, prep good. work, doesn't know any team in the conference, any of the players. He has one conversation before he does his broadcast, gets some stats and and rolls. And it's very obvious. And now that one conversation is out the window. Like yeah. it's not it's not well, good. They do a Zoom like call it. with the coach and that's like some random things he throws out. You know, I mean, it's just yeah, it's the, the whole FS1 experience is mind-numbingly bad in my opinion from a, a, a color analyst perspective i'm with ESPN's I, I, not that much better yeah i, I like i said i just i'm, I'm watching um, the americans so clearly <laughs> i'm not getting uh the greatest uh representation well yeah but you've got school hired broadcasters right the well the espn3 broadcasts are school school productions basically yeah yeah so it's, it's not it's not, I, you honestly, can tell. You can tell. <laughs> Matt Noonan and Kevin Johnson do a pretty good job. That's not saying much for the rest of the league. That's a that's a, that's a big step. All right, boys. I that's just not to... a shot at them. No, correct. That's correct. looking at the rest of the league. It ain't good. I just want to congratulate Mick, Mick Cronin on his four hundredth win. I just I think it needs to be said. That's all I'm going to say. Well, Sal Strong, Woodward Strong. That's all I'm telling you. Do you have uh, his total of NCAA tournament wins? I've got, 400 career, I've got 400 career wins, Rick. How I many you got? I believe zero. Okay. Just saying. That's all I'm saying. He's got 400. I just want to leave it at that. That's all I'm leaving it at. That's all I'm leaving it at. Skinny, uh, at least you've won a national championship. I have. Remember that at all times. In case you're wondering. All right. For Chad Pendle, <laughs> Rick Pouring of Musketeer Report. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. Forget that one part where I went crazy. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly college basketball edition.